I want to I want to offer a, a pre-election psalm today. It, it is Psalm one. I'm going to read it um, in the my favorite Robert Alter translation and uh, give it a listen here. Happy are those who have not walked in the wicked's counsel, nor in the way of sinners has stood, nor in the session of scoffers sat. But the Lord's teaching is their desire, and his teaching they murmur day and night. And they shall be like a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in all they do, they prosper." Not so the wicked, but like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor offenders in the band of the righteous. For the Lord embraces the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked is lost. So um, we're all facing some kind, some form, some expression of distress uh, as this election is actually underway. Um, I know for me, uh, somehow it was the vice presidential debate that I watched where I was so vexed. Uh, I was so vexed I missed the fly because I had read an article about how psychologists deal with debate stress themselves. And the one thing I hadn't tried was a technique involving dipping your face in ice water for 10 seconds while holding your breath. And so in the middle of the debate, I couldn't take it anymore. I, I got some ice water. I stuck my face in the uh, ice water, held my breath, and and it helped. Uh, it helped. I don't know what it was. It was like magic. And I did it at the end of the debate, too. And it's like I'm never I'm never going to one of these things without my ice water. So it's in that same vein that I'm I'm employing um, for this is for myself for my own practice. I've been studying Psalm one. Uh, I've been using it to help me mobilize my anger, my fear, my hope. Um, you know, like the sub the psychic um, undertone of these days. And I've been uh, probing a more Jewish understanding of the psalm. I think I think many of us, uh, uh, Psalm 1 would be a good example. Many of us absorbed a reading of Scripture that applied uh, certain sinner language, like to ordinary people having their ordinary uh, human struggles, sometimes even to kids or young people. And so terms like, even terms like the wicked, um, uh, can be used to shame people, to make them fearful as a form of um, religious control or oppression. And this completely ignores the, the context of um, the sacred writings of our tradition. Um, scripture was written, um, as Emily has said many times, by the marginalized, to the marginalized, concerning a God who is for the marginalized. So when, when Scripture is, is torn from that context, meaning is lost. And concepts like sin, including severe terms like wickedness, are applied in a very damaging way toward individuals they were never meant for. So I'm going to undo some of that with the Jewish understanding. So I'm going to start with the opening line, happy are those who have not walked in the wicked's counsel. So who are the wicked? So I was talking this over with um, a rabbi friend of mine, uh, Rob Dobberson, uh, recently retired from um, uh, Temple Beth uh, Israel on uh, here in Ann Arbor. And I should say, 
at least in my circles, I'm, I'm guessing Emily has the same experience. Whenever ministers, rabbis talk among themselves these days, inevitably the question arises, how are you addressing Black Lives Matter, uh, the current president, uh, the rise of um, white supremacy? And, and I, was, I had been noticing how the wicked, that, that term, the wicked in the Bible, seems to apply to people in power, to rulers and leaders and the ultra-wealthy who use their power to abuse those with less power. And I was, I was talking this over with uh, my rabbi friend, Rob, and he told me, yes, you know, in, in Hebrew, we were talking about Psalm 1 in particular. In, in Hebrew, uh, the wicked and the righteous are uh, two ends, like two poles of a moral spectrum. So most of us, he said, don't qualify really as either. And we mostly live between these two poles, kind of in or out or whatever. Um, but he was saying, I think your understanding of, of the wicked is correct, which made me feel great because uh, I was trying to prepare a psalm along those lines and or a sermon. Um, but he said, but let me check uh, my old professor, Nahum Sarna. And Rob studied under Nahum Sarna, who was probably the preeminent rabbi scholar of the uh, 20th century. I think he died in 2005. So Rob comes back, having consulted his library, and he says, oh, Ken, you got to hear this. And then he proceeds to read a, a rather long paragraph from Nahum Sarna's commentary in Psalm 1. So what I received from Rod who received it from Nahum Sarnam, I now pass on to you. Uh, I should say that Sarna has a highly developed old school vocabulary. So I may, I had to look up the definition of some of the words he uses. I thought I, I knew, but I may insert that. But I'm just quoting from Sarna now. The wicked, he writes, are usually unidentified, but their defining unlovely characteristics can be called from the several passages in the Psalms and the Proverbs uh, in the Reshaim, that's Hebrew for wicked, the plural form, uh, where the Reshaim are explicitly mentioned. They are marked by arrogance, pride, and vainglorious bluster. Uh, vainglory would be um, like narcissistic. Um, they are brazen-faced, insolent, derisive, they lob insults, in other words, and contemptuous of others. They plot evil even in bed and deliberately pervert the administration of justice by means of bribery. Lawlessness is their hallmark. Terror, the instrument they wield against the lowly and disadvantaged of society, the widow, the stranger, which in scripture is the immigrant and the asylum seeker. And, and the orphan being their favored targets. They even boast of their unbridled lusts. They make an outward show of goodwill, which conceals malice. Their speech is deceitful and duplicitous, like double dealing, talking out of both sides of your mouth. Uh, mendacious, I hadn't heard that one, means uh, deceitful, lying, fraudulent, and treacherous. They abuse another's friendship, repaying good with evil, love with hate. They borrow and never pay back, although they amass wealth. They abhor the person of integrity. They cannot understand another's concern for the plight of the wretched of society. And should they feign compassion, it turns out to be cruelty. And, and to Carla's point, they wrote this 
um, Sarna did in 1993. So this term, uh, the wicked, uh, would never be used for like ordinary um, sinners. It, it would apply to powerful people in every generation. You know, in ours, uh, the current president, I mean, every phrase seemed to apply. Um, uh, uh, reading about per Purdue Pharma, uh, you know, I don't know, they got a settlement of uh, yeah, five or eight billion dollars because they knowingly they broke the law. Um, they knowingly were pushing Oxycontin, an opioid, long after its highly addictive qualities were known and people were dying from overdoses, lining their pockets. And it's, it's estimated that, that Oxycontin accounted for at least 5,000 overdose, overdose deaths per year in the uh, ongoing opioid crisis. I've done two funerals for opioid related deaths. So um, I think of the CEO of AIG Financial Products, uh, they called him Mr. Credit Default Swap. Um, he received a $34 million bonus the year that his company received a $99 billion ba taxpayer bailout. Um, they say the suicide rate follows the unemployment rate. And during the Great Recession, it probably cost 5,000 extra lives for this reason. So the term the wicked is, is reserved in scripture for this kind of malfeasance. Happy are those who have not walked in the wicked's counsel, nor in the way of sinners has stood, nor in the session of scoffers sat. So if you grew up in a religiously conservative setting, this is not about avoiding people who swear or listen to the wrong music or someone heard they played uh, spin the bottle or something like that. Instead, it's an understanding of evil as a cultural phenomenon that flows through a social matrix. So we're much more affected by our social matrix than we like to think. Um, and this, by the way, is why, one of the reasons that Laura's class on unconscious bias, which starts today, um, if you send a send us your email, we can, and you have about a half hour to take the survey and watch the little video um, before the class starts. I think at, I think at four o'clock. But uh, Laura can correct that if that's wrong. Um, uh, you take an implicit bias um, survey on on race and sexuality, and it's very revealing for how how we have been influenced by the society that we're living in, despite our, like our conscious thoughts and, and opinions. Um, so this is this is the like an older perspective on on how human beings um, are. So notice the psalm is speaking um, is speaking about the wicked, not to them. It's a prayer. It's not expected that the wicked would be. And if they if they were praying it, they wouldn't be um, they wouldn't have ears to hear it applied to them. But Psalm 1 does distinguish, and I think this is super helpful, like right now. Um, the Psalm, if you notice, distinguishes between the wicked and those who walk in the counsel of the wicked. So these are the, like the vast numbers of people who are duped by the wicked. They get swept along by their rhetoric. Um, the wicked themselves have the power and the platform to sway people, and many walk in their counsel. Um, two other terms are used here along with the wicked. Let's just quickly go through those. Let's take the more intense one first. It's scoffers, nor in the session of scoffers sat. So Sarna again, um, who says, this describes the outrageously and proudly insolent, 
a menace to the social order, reacting abusively and hostily to any reproof. He says the context for scoffers is sitting in session. And, and what that means is Sarna describes the scoffers as like self-styled intellectuals, outrageous and proudly insolent, seated in groups around the city gates. So that would be the session where the elders were sitting and, and the scoffers are, as he says, declaiming their cynical and nihilistic teachings in the ears of bystanders, the curious, the idlers. So they would be like the cable news and talk radio lowhards of their time, the, the, the scoffers. So um, Sarn is also a good guide for our term uh, sinners. Hear this about how the Hebrew understands this. Less villainous than the wicked, I'm quoting Sarna, are the sinners who for that reason might possess greater drawing power for the ordinary person. In Hebrew, they are hataim. The primitive meaning of the stem of this word is miss, err, stray. The sinner is therefore one who strays from a path or misses the goal, not necessarily willfully, but as the inevitable byproduct of the human condition. And that's really important, the inevitable byproduct of the human condition. So in my words now, when, when Jesus spoke about the sheep who wander off and get lost, uh, away from the shepherd, away from the fold, th this is the sense of it. It's not out of willfulness, it's just out of sheepishness. So happy are those who have not walked in the wicked's counsel, nor in the way of sinners has stood, nor in the session of scoffers sat, but the Lord's teaching is their desire. That teaching, that, that word is Torah, and it refers to um, basically the whole Hebrew Bible in a sense, but especially the um, five books of Moses, and it includes the, the laws, but also the narratives, the stories like in Genesis. But the Lord's teaching is their desire, and his teaching they murmur day and night. Um, and you just notice that, that it's the desire for a different way than the way of the wicked that really matters to the psalmist. It's not mastering that way, but just having a desire for that, that different way is, is um, just so appreciated by the psalmist. Um, uh, those who uh, desire a different way, it says they murmur the Lord's teaching day and night. Um, so what's that about? Well, in, in the ancient world, people didn't read silently, even by themselves. If they were reading alone, they would speak under their breath. They would murmur. Uh, and the, this murmuring was like a spiritual practice in, in Israel. So, you know, if we employ thought in our heads plus sound in our bodies, we're murmuring it, we're saying out loud, it's vibrating our body. It, it, it just sinks in more. It's a spiritual practice like I would think of it like a recovering alcoholic might go to the restroom at work and say this, murmur the serenity prayer under their breath to calm themselves or, or through the day might remind themselves of one day at a time or let it go or easy does it is that kind of um, practice and view. And they shall be like a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in its season and its leaf doesn't wither and all they do they prosper. We're going to actually say this portion for for next Sunday is kind of a calming before um, the actual election day and all that. Not so the wicked, but like chaff that the wind drives away. So we know in Hebrew and also uh, language of the um, Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, uh, and in Greek, the language of the New Testament, um, that the word, um, the same word is used for wind, spirit, and breath. 
and just the context determines how they're translated. So this could be uh, like the chaff that the spirit blows away, except, you know, the ideas of, you know, chaff in, in Israel, they would throw the the weed up in the air during the season of harvest where there'd be a lot of winds and then the outer shell of the wheat would would blow away being lighter and then they'd have the they'd have the grain fall to the ground so um uh, the wicked you know seems so substantial so secure so unmovable when they're in power but in fact the psalmist is saying they're like chaff that the wind that the spirit drives away so this is very much in line with that idea that the moral arc of the universe is long and bends toward justice, which is really a statement of faith. Um, so it's like in the long-term game, ultimately the spirit will drive the wicked away like chaff. This is like a hope. Um, this is something to give us courage when we're under the thumb of the wicked, when they're still in power and doing their damage. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the band of the righteous, for the Lord embraces the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked is lost. Notice it's the way of the righteous, not just the righteous, but the Lord is embracing the way of the righteous. And anyone who's willing to learn from that and, and yearn for it and come along with that, I think feels that embrace but the way of the wicked is lost or doomed in another translation so someone mentions the scoffers and the sinners but its main concern is with the wicked so he's warning uh, the psalmist in the in this prayer is warning um, people against um, being duped by the wicked um, you can be pulled into this bad path without knowing it um, Perhaps I think the psalm is directing our anger at injustice toward the wicked themselves and helping us to imagine their eventual doom. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment. Um, now, here's important, I think, again, from Sarna. Sarna points out that um, this term, the judgment here, is not, um, is not an afterlife judgment. Uh, the Hebrew Bible, he says, is concerned almost exclusively with, with what we would call judgments in history, in time, um, days and times and means of reckoning in history. It could be, it could be in a court of law, it could be an event, it could be like a shift in, in power dynamics in a, in a society. Now, obviously, history doesn't always work right. There's not a single Wall Street CEO who saw prison time for their role in the Great Recession. Um, the, what, $8 billion Purdue Pharma settlement was a drop in the bucket, and I'm sure it, does, it wasn't satisfying to the people who lost loved ones. Um, but when history does work right, the wicked face a reckoning. They face judgments. Um, you know, we have not seen um, yet reparations for the crimes of slavery or the physical cultural genocide of the indigenous nations, but we are to understand that, that they are due, that justice isn't served until the actual amends happen, until there's judgment. And, and to the extent that we have any influence at all um, supporting those, those moves, at, at, at the very least yearning for them. So this is what's coming to us through the psalm. So winding up here, um, 
an election has the potential to be one of those moments in history. It has the potential. Um, and, you know, so many of, of the words surrounding this election come from, you know, Facebook posts and Instagram and, you know, Twitter news articles. And a lot of it is analysis. And, and that's fine. But these things don't help us often metabolize the emotion we feel about what's going on around us. Um, and for that, prayer helps. And, and this is a prayer, I think, that has, has been helping me. And I like that it's an ancient prayer. It's from a different time than ours. It's using different vocabulary and thought forms. But, but I think for that reason, it can be helpful. Um, you know, in, in all forms of our distress, having a sense of companionship that we're not alone is, is really helpful. Um, and, and this not aloneness applies to, um, applies to the ancestors. We're not alone from our ancestors, from those who've gone before us. Um, we're not alone from those who have faced these sorts of things themselves. And, you know, many of our ancestors prayed this psalm. Or if they didn't pray this psalm, if they were part of a different tradition, in, the, in their tradition, there were, there were prayers like Psalm 1. And, and we join them when we use these words. So I want to suggest that we bring our distress at what's happening into a reading of Psalm 1 um, and let this be a time of judgment that brings a reckoning, uh, joining our desire to the faith of the psalmist that such things are possible. So for our practice today, our meditation, I think of it as like a spiritual practice we're doing today for the next few minutes. I want to have us pray this psalm, Psalm 1, um, three times in succession um, in different translations. So I'll leave the first time um, with the Robert Alter translation that we've been working with. And then we'll do two others. Um, Carla will, will read it in the, um, I think it's the New American Standard Revised, a little bit older. Um, translation, and then Caroline will read it in the, I think it's the complete Jewish translation. And after each of us who's um, leading this um, finishes reading the psalm, we'll, we'll um, make an invitation of response. Um, and the response is, Lord, deliver us. So you can, you can speak out even that response if you want to at home. So let's just um, settle ourselves Maybe take a deep breath in and out. Be aware of our bodies. And listen to Psalm 1 in the Robert Alter translation to begin. Happy are those who have not walked in the wicked's counsel, nor in the way of sinners has stood, nor in the session of scoffers sat. But the Lord's teaching is their desire. And his teaching, they murmur day and night. And they shall be like a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And in all that they do, they prosper. Not so the wicked, but like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor offenders in the band of the righteous, for the Lord embraces the way of the righteous, and the way of the wicked is doom 
and the people responded, Lord, deliver us. Now, Carla. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in company with scoffers. Rather, the law of the Lord is his joy, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted near streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaves never wither. Whatever he does prospers. But not so are the wicked, not so. They are like chaff driven by the wind. Therefore, the wicked will not arise at the judgment, nor will sinners in the assembly of the just. Because the Lord knows the way of the just, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. And the people responded, Lord, deliver us. Okay, now this is the complete Jewish Bible version. How blessed are those who reject the advice of the wicked. Don't stand on the way of sinners or sit where scoffers sit. Their delight is in Adonai's Torah. And on his Torah, they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams. They bear their fruit in season. Their leaves never wither. Everything they do succeeds. Not so the wicked who are like chaff driven by the wind. For this reason, the wicked won't stand up to the judgment, nor will sinners at the gathering of the righteous. For Adonai watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked is doomed. And the people responded, Lord, deliver us. Amen. Off to you, Emily, back to you. <laughs> 